We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kenneth James says, I think some parents, some recruits' parents have fallen in love with the process and the attention in certain situations. I would argue, Ryan, that in the last few years especially, I've met more parents that fall in love with recruiting than I have players. Yeah, I mean I'm, – I'm, I know I'm, you're still I'm kind of thinking. new to this, It's you right. know, but – but yeah, especially when you look at it from a national standpoint, I, I would say that that's there's a lot of parents that all over the process. There's a lot of helicopter parents out there, man. Ooh, there's yeah. no doubt about it. So yeah, I, I mean, and there's a lot of parents too that live through what their 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 ch- children are accomplishing, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's you always say like, I mean, that's always a theme in like in like movies or like TV shows and stuff. But like, it is true though. <laughs> like, it is. It's it makes. And I mean, I, there's a difference between being proud and then living vicariously through someone, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can be very proud of your your son for getting a scholarship offer to Notre Dame, but that doesn't mean that you got the scholarship offer to Notre Dame. You know what I mean? Like, there's a clear distinction there. So, mm-hmm. yes, helicopter parents are absolutely a thing. Those types of parents do exist, Kenneth. I agree, hundred percent. Yep. Domer Gris says, do recruits get offended when services drop their ranking after they commit to Notre Dame? Can they think of anyone who might, can you think of anyone who might actually have decommitted because of that? Maybe keep visits to keep ranking up. I don't know of anyone that's done the latter. I don't know of anyone that's decommitted because of their ranking. I don't look Domer Grizz. Anytime you ask a question like the first one, it's a very fair question, but the answer is always going to be some do some don't. I mean, it's when you're dealing with as many kids as, as we talk to, Ryan, you can attest to this. Mm-hmm. There's some kids who, when their ranking gets dropped, it ticks them off, and it's like you know a motivation to to go do something different. And others are like, I don't care. Like I didn't even know where I was ranked, so why would I care if they move me up or down? You know. But you see right. kids all the time tweeting like, you know, thanks to so and so for ranking me as a four star. Some of those kids really care about that stuff. Sure. And I get it to a degree. You know, I probably would have to a degree when I was younger because it's kind of like it's recognition for all the hard work you're putting in. Mm-hmm. But really caring much beyond that, I just I, I don't think I would have. But some kids do. Some kids are really obsessed by that. And some kids do things in order to 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 do that. I, I do. But I don't I don't I don't know of a kid that's ever maybe it's happened. But I, I don't know of who that person would be. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, because I mean, players drop in rankings all the time. I know it's we associated with Notre Dame, obviously, because we've seen it happen. But I don't think that that's going to spurn your college interest just because of a recruiting, you know, downfall or whatever. But yes, I would agree though that the, the first part of the question is that there are kids that absolutely care about their recruiting ranking. There's no doubt about it. And when something goes bad, they they're not happy. They're not happy about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, let's get to the next question from John A1. He asks, how would I be redo the 23 schedule? Who would be the ideal 2012, 23 opponents? Hmm. You know, John, I don't dislike the 2023 schedule a ton beyond because part of it is I don't know what the entire schedule is going to look like. We now know the 12 teams, but we don't know when they're going to play Duke, Louisville, NC State, or Pitt. Like those dates have not been established yet. I would have had a better week two opponent than Tennessee State because I like the notion of you've got you've got Ohio State in game four. Now, one thing that I liked is they talked about having a bye that week. And and Jack Swarbrick, one of the few things that they discussed in that press conference that I thought was smart for Notre Dame, he said, you know, Coach Freeman had noted that he doesn't really like the idea of having a bye that early, which I completely agree with. 
I'm a believer. I would never really want to buy before week five. And at the late, at the earliest week four would be one that I could be somewhat okay with. Cause you say at all fall camp, all summer, all fall camp, then the first three games, it's a decent time for a buy, but I prefer buys to be like in week, like five to seven is like my ideal, not necessarily half point, but I do like one kind of earlier. Cause then you got four or five games under your belt to kind of here's who we are. What do we need to work on? that kind of stuff. So I like the idea that they didn't do a buy in week two. That was smart, but I just, I like the notion of not a good opponent in week one, good opponent in week two, not a good opponent in week three, good opponent in week four. I feel like that is sort of, for me, the way that Notre Dame needs to go about it. Now, Tennessee state. Now you have Navy, Tennessee state and central Michigan. You don't really have anyone to kind of gauge there in week two where you where you've developed in 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 weeks one you know through fall camp in week one because navy such a different animal and you're going to be so much better than tennessee state and central michigan that i don't think either one of those teams are good enough to kind of point out you know or to 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 cause you to see some of the flaws you may have right and that's the thing i like and i don't i'm not saying a number week two opponent should have been like a georgia you know but give me a a TCU, right? Give me a team like that. That's a good team, but not a great team where we got to, you know, they, they can, we're going to beat them and, and probably beat them somewhat soundly as, you know, as looking at from a coach's standpoint, but they're also still good enough, Ryan, to kind of say, Hey, look, you know, they, they kept doing this one blitz and our protection wasn't picking it up. And, you know, or, or, or they had this really good receiver that, you know, was giving us some problems against this coverage. So, that's kind of how I like it. So, you know, you talk about Tennessee State. Would I have wanted to play Tennessee that week? Probably not. You know, would I have wanted to do, you know, but I, I, maybe I wouldn't be too opposed to that. But, you know, that that's a kind of – I don't think playing like a ball state – you've already got your MAC team on the schedule. You've already mm-hmm. got them. It's Central Michigan the next week. I would have wanted to see a Power 5 team in Indiana. Um, a minute, Not a Minnesota because I can't stand Minnesota, but like a – you know, if you could, have, you know, you're, you play pit next that year. If if I knew that the pit game was going to be week two, that would have been okay with me. You know, some team that you feel like can give you an early season test, then you can kind of work out the kinks the next week against Central Michigan. Then you're ready for Ohio State, and then you're ready to rock and roll. But what's your uh, what's your thing against Minnesota, Brian? I've never heard this. I just have no. Des- I don't think playing Minnesota just does anything for Notre Dame, especially right. now that PJ Fleck is there. I just can't stand that guy. <laughs> So um, you're not you're not rowing the boat, huh? No, no, and I have no clue what that had to do with being at you know Western Michigan or at Minnesota or whatever else. Uh, but yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not rowing the boat at all. I'm hard pass on that guy. You know, sprinting. No, let me sprint down the field. Um, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, not not a PJ Fleck fan. At did all. you like Did you like the Shiano chopping wood when he was at Rutgers? Was that better? That was lame too. It's like this. this, Like I always like those things. Like fall, I'm like waiting on him to like sprint and like like trip and like you know. But like, remember when Eastern Michigan tried to do that thing with like the brick wall? Oh yeah, they're like stumbling over. It's like that's so appropriate for such a stupid gimmick. Um, Just run out of the freaking tunnel and go play football. You know what I mean? Like just Mm -hmm. chopping wood. It's like okay, whatever, dude. Like you're trying too hard, man. You're trying way too hard. So yeah. Not not a big fan, Ryan, at all. What are your thoughts on that scheduling aspect? Do you have anything to add uh, to that? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, 
the Tennessee State one is obviously one, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole since we talked about it yesterday. But you know, the what's it week two? You said right is the Tennessee mm-hmm. State game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, as as long as the Notre Dame schedule for me is is diverse in the sense that we're touching all different areas, because that's again same on the recruiting side of everything, right? Like it's a national brand, it's national schedule. I want to kind of touch every region type of thing, because I mean that's. Better than word of mouth, right? Is kind of seeing seeing it firsthand. So that's just for me the balance is is what I kind of strive for from a schedule perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me see here. We we'll get down to some more questions. Uh, Domer Grizz, would Kevin Austin have been a six star recruit if Stucky and company had been able to convince him to stay, especially given our depth concerns? Or will Colsey make us say Kevin who? I'd say no and no right now. I mean, there's a the, the Kevin would have been really good. He wasn't going to be Michael Floyd. He wasn't going to be Golden Tate 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't going to be that. He would have been really good. Uh, maybe, maybe like Chase Claypool-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like, yeah. We're, again, late. Like My argument was like, I think he could have been like a late first-round pick, right? But I don't think Kevin is like this elite, like, wow. Like, he's not, he's not going to come back and be a Devontae Smith or – you know, some of those guys that have just had like, oh my gosh, that guy was just took a game over. I mean, he would have done that, at t- excuse me, at times, but I don't think he would have been that. I think he'd been very good. Yeah. But uh, no, not not quite that level. And and can Deion Colsey make us say Kevin who? I mean, I get where you're coming from. I don't love those kind of things because you should never forget the guy that came before who laid the foundation for the guy that's coming next. But I understand what you're trying to say. You're not really saying that. Uh, could he be that guy? Sure. Will he be that guy? Way too early. He has a lot mm-hmm. to prove for me for that. But he's going to have to get ready because, you know, the guy that you were thinking could maybe take some of those reps, Joe Wilkins, is not healthy now. And we don't know when he's going to be. So mm-hmm. certainly some question marks at the receiver position, Ryan. No question yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like the one for one either. Um I'm 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 optimistic about what Deion Colsey can be, but I also think that the offense is just going to run a little bit differently working, looking forward. So I don't think it's a direct, like, Hey, the, the W position has to be the, the top position on the team type of thing. Like, I think, I think that the offense is just changing a little bit where it doesn't have to be a one for one. Can someone replace Kevin Austin? I think the production can get replaced in different ways. I think it could also get replaced by Michael Mayer. And I mean that as a W. I think that's the other sure. thing, too, is we could see some stuff where maybe you put your three receivers to the field, put Michael Mayer to the boundary, especially if you decide to go with your your fast lineup, which I would expect Notre Dame to do, where you know we see Lorenzo Styles in the boundary times this year. You're going to do I'm different stuff it. with – right, and you're going to see different stuff. You're not going to do the same things you did with Kevin Austin or you would do with, the, with the Deion Colsey. The nice thing about that alignment is on one snap, you can put Lorenzo Styles into the boundary – and in the very next snap, you can have Lorenzo to the field and have Michael Mayer in the boundary. There's a lot of different things you can do from that. And, you know, look, we haven't seen the offense be run to the field with the pass game a lot, Ryan, and, and with the X and Zs. But we've seen it. I mean, that's what Will Fuller's – that's what happened when Will Fuller was at Notre Dame. He was an X. He was the field outside guy. So we have seen it, and, and I don't have a problem with it. And honestly, I, I wish they would get away from, you know, it's a – I mean, just – be more balanced. I think that's required. They need more balance from the receiver position, in my opinion. And and even when they had, you know, Chase Claypool to the field, you know, he he had good production in 2018. You know, 50 catches, 639 yards, but it was always kind of like it, it was always complimentary production 
And I would like to see them get away with from that. To your point, Ryan, where not that you're flipping it and you're becoming pro field, but just be more flip and balance, period. You know, I think that's something I would like to see. And that's exactly. what I like about the RPO offense, because you're going to see more of that. I mean, we saw we saw in the bowl game against Oklahoma State. I mean, you know, Kevin Austin obviously had really good numbers. Uh, I'm going to pull up the stats here. Uh, but, I mean, Kevin Austin had really good numbers in that game. But you saw Michael Mayer had seven catches. You Lorenzo Styles had over 100 yards. I think he had eight catches, mm-hmm. right? So your field guy had eight catches that game because of why? Yeah, probably half of those throws were RPOs, if not more. You know, and then you hit like a wheel route to him. You know, you put him in motion and hit a wheel route. But you had you had seven catches for Braden Lindsey, you know, on RPO, seven catches for 60 yards, seven catches for Michael Mayer, six for Austin, six for Tyree, and eight for Styles. So your field had a lot more production in that game than you're used to. And I think that's something that the RPO screen game can do, right? Is that's a, a really good way to get more production to your field guys. Because it is a little harder to hit some of those field throws. You know, because that it's like kind of the hash we talked about. Like if you're on the left hash and you're your X, you're not you don't have many quarterbacks that are banging a 15 yard outcut to their X in a traditional two by one or three by one formation. Mm-hmm. Just there aren't a lot of quarterbacks that can physically make that throw. So it limits where you can bound there's if, if you're if you have a quarterback that can't bang a boundary 15 yard out, then you you need to find a new quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it just it there's less you can do in regards to some of the things you can do to, to W, but there's also more things you can do when it comes to the screen game, more things kind of getting some of the, the over the top that meshes. I think that's one thing Ohio state does a great job of. They have a really, uh, they have a lot of different ways they can get their field receivers, the football mm-hmm. in the quick and in, like you said, a lot of mesh stuff. There's a lot of stuff yeah. they do that. I think Notre Dame did more of and down the stretch than they mm-hmm. had done before that makes me think Ryan could be onto something with we're going to see a shift where it, it is either, either more field oriented or more balanced. One of the two compared to the W and I, I would have wanted that to be true, Ryan, even if Kevin Austin did come back. Yeah. No, I want that shift to happen. I want that shift to happen because I think that you have the players that if you're just able to manipulate a little bit of space and that's, you know, we're talking about running to the, you know, running the passing offense through the field versus the boundary, you're running into the field because you just want to create a little bit more space. You have guys like Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay, those guys, I mean, just even outside of the RPO game for a second, just get those guys to football in space, man, manipulate a little bit of space. And there's big plays that are going to be created. We saw it in Oklahoma state. What's, um, what Lorenzo Styles is capable of when he gets the football in his hand. We we saw in the practice what Brayton Lindsay is able to do when he gets the football in his hand. You've seen it in spurts during his career. So those athletes Notre Dame has that can take advantage of playing in space a ton. And I think that that shift needs to happen a little bit because I don't want us to forget about the W. I want Deion Coles and, and whoever else is in that position to have a lot of opportunities. But I also think that you need to be able to take advantage of the athletes that you have to the fields. I think that that needs to happen moving forward. Okay, let's go to I have a super chat from Corey D. I wish Notre Dame would fight harder to recapture the vacated wins from 10 years ago. We went from number two in wins to fifth and first in winning percentage to fourth. Today might not be the day to make that argument because <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of pettiness from fans about, uh, you know, about whether or not. Uh, you want Brian because those 21 wins go to Brian Kelly. But no, I, I agree. At the time, I thought Notre Dame took that too easily. Now, the thing is, Notre Dame has ignored it. They have 
completely ignored it. So like in Notre Dame standpoint, they still, when they talk about, because the only way that they can say Brian Kelly's the program's all-time winning as coach is because they're counting the 21 wins. Mm-hmm. You take those 21 wins away, Brian Kelly's in the 90s. He's not the all-time winning as coach. So Notre Dame has ignored it. But to Corey's point, in the the uh, the bigger picture, how it's viewed in college football, it's still recognized as not wins. Sure. Which the thing that I find stupid is that they still count the losses. Either a game doesn't count because you had ineligible players, or it does. Right. How can you count like a win counts, but a loss? I. It's just one of the many stupid things. If the wins don't count, the losses shouldn't count. And then that takes care of, you know, a, a decent chunk of the win percentage thing. Now, it still, you know, goes down a little because you don't have the 12 and one season, but you also went nine and four the next year and had to sacrifice those. You just added five losses to Notre Dame's docket and took away 21 wins. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of stupid, you know? So either the games count or they don't. They should all count or they all shouldn't count. But, uh, you know, obviously, thank you for that super chat, Corey, very, very much. You have another question here from John Klimek. Uh, He says, do you think Chancey Stuckey and Tommy Reese will take a more simplified approach, a simplified wide receivers concepts and trees approach and game planning to provide the wide receivers uh, to, to bring the wide receivers along faster. Thoughts on that, Ryan? Um, I don't think it's simplistic wide receiver concepts. I think it's just going back to the fundamentals. Like that's the biggest thing that we've been talking about from Chancey Stuckey is that you want to see Notre Dame's players, work better through press, get in and out of the breaks better, be you know just more efficient route runners. You want to see them attack the football better in the air. So it's the little parts of being a wide receiver. I think that it's going to be the point of emphasis, John. I don't think it's necessarily changing the concepts of your offense. Like I don't think that that's a need because I think you do have some players that have played a lot of football coming back. So I don't I don't think that that's necessarily a necessity in the in this context. I just think that it's about Let's get back to the fundamentals, man. Like mm-hmm. we have to be pressed. We have to be better in the air. We have to run better routes. Those are the things I think is going to separate a good wide receiver room to be making them one of the better wide receivers rooms in the country, which I think they can be if everything comes together. So I think it's more about fundamentals than simplifying concepts. Okay. Here we got some more questions here from Patty O furniture. It's a great name. If Jabron Paynes joins the 2022 class and we take two backs in 2023, isn't that way too many backs in the room? So, I mean, let's start from the perspective for a second, Patty. So if they do land Jabron Payne, they would still be willing to take two backs in 2023. So, Mm -hmm. like, let's start there. So your question is very valid because I think it is a potential reality for Notre Dame. Is it way too many backs in the room? Not in 2022. Not in 2022, no. It depends on who leaves. If everybody right. comes back, seven running backs to me is one too many. That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's because you don't have enough reps to give them all at that point in time. But yes, it's too many backs. But I think also, it, I, I, I would, you know, you always have to also. This is the rub. You have to be prepared for somebody's going to leave. You know, whether it be a positive leaving where Chris Tyree has a monster year and he he goes pro, or someone, someone isn't happy with where they are. Yeah, and they decide to leave because of that. And and look, I I hope no, Logan Diggs never leaves. But Notre Dame would be naive to not be thinking they need to be prepared for that possibility because he played a bunch. You you, you love him. I mean, Tom Maurice loves Logan Diggs. You know, you're telling the kid he's going to be part of what you do, and and you still have to kind of convince him to come back. And you know, is is this going to be a problem again? You know, I mean that 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 we don't know. I hope not. And 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 I would not. I think some fans take too hard of a stance on Logan Diggs. 
you know, like, oh, he's just going to leave if he doesn't get carries. Well, we don't know that. You know, I, I don't, you know, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I think seven, Ryan, is just, it's just one too many. That is a lot. I agree. Yeah. Domer Gris says, is running back the deepest position on the team right now? If so, who is the deepest? Is wide receiver the thinnest? I, I have a take, I guess. I think the deepest is offensive line. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. There's a lot of talent, man. Deepest from talent. a number standpoint, I would agree. The mm-hmm. reason I would still say running back is because pure number standpoint, obviously the offensive line, but mm-hmm. I would say the offensive line doesn't have a fourth stringer like Shadaren Price. That's right? fair. But right? I mean, Notre Dame is re- returning, what, eight eight offensive linemen that have had that have some sort of started experience? That doesn't yeah. fill out your second team, right? And That's fair. Right. No, but that's what makes it difficult to have these conversations comparing yeah. the running back depth chart to the offensive line depth chart. Sure, sure. Is because it's some positions like if you have four running backs, you're four deep. You that's need you, you're you can't literally you can't have enough you, you should not have enough scholarship linemen to fill out a four deep on offensive line. It's too many guys. So that's what makes it hard. But what I would say your to your point is I would say that I would argue that right now the defensive line would be even deeper than the offensive line in regards to two guys that not only played, but played well, you know, as you look at, cause you've got, you've got Foskey, Adam Miola, those guys. And then you've got plenty of guys on the bench. You've got big ends that have played a bunch. You've got four, three, four D tackles that have played a bunch. You just landed Chris Smith. So it just depends on kind of what, when you go by deepest Domer, we have to, de- we'd have to define terms. And to me, that would be, you know, depth of talent? Is it depth of production? Because, you know, running backs are very talented, but the counter to that would be, but how proven are any of those guys really? True. Right? Audric Estime has seven career carries. You know, Logan Diggs hasn't even gotten to 300 total yards yet. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry last year. So there's a ton of counter arguments you can make. Is wide receiver the thinnest as of right now? I would say... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tight mm-hmm. end, you could debate is in there too right now because they only have three tight ends and they like to run a lot of that. You know, Notre Dame could – could. it's the, it's the combination of being thin right now, both of them, that's the problem, right? And, and, and tight end, it's more about – it's you're fine because you've got an injured player in Kane Barong. If he wasn't injured, it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got two kids coming in in the fall. Tight end will be fine when everybody gets healthy and gets here. Sure. receivers going to still be thin even when everybody gets on campus and everybody gets healthy. It's still going to be. So, yeah, I would say, I would say, I would say that I would, I would agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. Okay. A lot of great questions today, by the way. Yes. A ton. A, a ton. Yeah. Uh, Jay golden 44. Great article for sure. Thanks for representing what a lot of fans wanted to say. And I honestly didn't even think about that last night, Ryan, is I was looking at it strictly from the players needed a voice and I felt like I was given the the okay from some of them to be that voice. I was not prepared. Like I thought there was going to be a lot more pushback against my article than there was. I, I really yeah. did because there's been a lot of put, you know, the whole Kelly's won more games and blah, 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 and whatever. There was very little of that last night. And I think it's because Brian Kelly finally went too far. Even some of the people that have supported him and said, hey, look, he's gone. It's just let's move on. Him, Because, again, this is all in response to him. 
mm-hmm. and what he said. And then it was in multiple articles. There was one in the dentist, and that was that one was even worse because you had Kelly plus Dennis Dodd, who's always been anti Notre Dame. Ralph Rousseau and the AP is a professional. He's mm-hmm. a good writer, and he presented a he 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 presented Kelly's side, but mm-hmm. he did so in more of a. Here's just presenting what he said, and here's the facts. Informational. That, right. Yeah. There was a couple yeah. things like, you know, Kelly's rings. Kelly has zero rings from his time at Notre Dame. Like, you know, some of my, like, major bowl wins, zero. I mean, when I when I made the comment, and it was a shot at Kelly, he's over in major bowl games and playoffs and BCS games. That's That wasn't a shot. That was a fact. Yeah. I said it in a snarky manner, purposefully, but it was a fact. He's over in those games. And then somebody else was like, well, you know, he, he did dominate in bowl games. I'm like, dominate who? A seven and six Iowa State team in Rutgers? Because they didn't dominate everybody else. I mean, you had, oh, Miami, who was in the midst of a coaching change. They lost to Florida State in a bowl game. They barely beat LSU twice. And those were both great wins, but they weren't dominant wins. You know, I mean, so it's, but I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I got very little, very little pushback last night and today. Very little, much less than I thought. And I think a lot of it is because I do think, Brian Kelly has just stepped in it one too many times. Well, I actually, I actually went through your tweet this morning because I was telling uh, Joe about it, and uh, I, I saw nothing but like thanks and great yeah. points and all the time. Very I, little, I didn't see anything. Very really. little. Yeah, like there was one guy that was like, "I'm going to unfollow you now," but even his unfollow, he he did it in a respectful manner, and it was just like, you know, I'm I'm tired of talking about Brian Kelly. I want to move on. I got an email from it today from a guy who I respect, and I and I really so glad he's a part of me. He's like. And he didn't like he doesn't like that we talk about Kelly as much as we do. That's fair. That's fine. Fair. Whatever. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's I just I got very little of that and much less than I thought I was because again, I, I think at the end of the day, I didn't realize how many fans had this much anger boiling up for him. Right. And I think that speaks volumes for who he was, that he could kind of get that response. MT41, if you guys had your choice, would you rather have Christian Gray or Micah Tease in this class? I'm going to speak for Ryan here, and I want to see if I know. Mm-hmm. Micah Tease, and it's not even a debate. Is yeah. that accurate, Ryan? Yep, yep, it is. It yeah. is. I, I think Micah Tease is just a little bit of a high caliber of an athlete. I think Christian Gray is a good football player, though, but I think there's, I, I just think there, you can get a little more out of Micah Tease. So you think it's closer than I think it is? I don't think it's close. Well, no, I, I don't think it's that close. I, I, just, I just didn't want it to sound like I was completely, you know, Christian Gray is a solid football player. He right, is. That's he's what I'm saying. 200 caliber player. Right. I, I just, I don't think he's what some people make him out to be. And I just think Christian Gray is more dynamic. Plus I do like the fact that Christian Gray can play on both sides of the ball. And you, and anyone that knows me knows if you have a kid that can legit be a starter or, or a mm-hmm. legit player for you on both sides of the ball, that yeah. adds so much value to a player. Oh yeah, so Mike Micah Tease could play at Notre Dame at wide receiver or corner in my opinion, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, no. And safety. I, and safety. Yeah. And safety, yeah. And ball skills are really good. He's an explosive athlete. I just think he's a high caliber of an athlete comparative to Christian Gray. Yeah. That's all. John Lacey says, what are your thoughts on special team changes? I'd like to get back to the Tommy Zibikowski days on punt returns. What changes do you all see specifically in punt returns this year? The thing we have to understand is punting in college football has changed since Tommy Zibikowski was at Notre Dame. And the spread punt and the rugby punt has changed the game. It has. And there hasn't been a a punt return rule in place to counter that. Like, for example, you know, there's not a rule where you can't go past the line. Like to me, there should, there should be a rule similar in, in there where it's kind of like, 
a pass. You know, you, you can't be so far past the line of scrimmage, you know, when the ball's thrown or something like that, or, you know, those rules can get a little bit difficult to enforce, but it's just, those things have changed the game. You're just not going to see punt returns the way that we did in the past. I think the counter that I would take to that Ryan is I think if you know that you're not going to get, you can't, you can't set up like, remember when we were kids and I'm sure even when you know, I'm older about, but when you still had it, you, you'd have the wall return, right? Remember that? You don't have that anymore. You can't yeah. do that anymore. You you can't get enough guys down there. The, the, the They're getting on the ball too quickly. It's just different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my counter, and I've always said this, my counter to that would be, if you know you're not going to get returns, then be more aggressive going after the punt. Sure. Force them to stay more in protection than they are, than they ideally would like to be. And be more aggressive going after it to either. So one of two things can happen there positively mm-hmm. for you. One is you block a kick, which is huge. Two is, uh, well, actually three three positives. Two is you keep more guys protecting, which then gives your guy the ability. Because punt returns, even back in the day of the wall, was always about you got to make one guy miss, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's what made Rocket and Ricky Waters and Devin Hester. And Devin Hester could always make that one guy miss. And then after that, it's, you know, then it's like, okay, you've got some help. Uh, and then the third is if, 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 I mean, punters – especially guys that maybe are inexperienced, if they're always worried you're coming at them, mm-hmm. there's a greater risk that they shank it or hit a line drive. And that's when you can get a return. So I think to me being, and that's one thing I never, like Notre Dame was, it was maddening under Brian Polian. They would literally step up and just stop and engage. And like one guy would run, run through and they just all stay at the line. It's like, if you're going to do that, just go try to set up a return or something. Like what are you, you're doing nothing, you know? So to me, either, Try to set up a return, which I don't love, or go attack. That's what I would do more of, right? I'd just I'd be more aggressive. Not again, you run the risk of hitting the punter and it being a penalty and all that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's way more good that can come from it than that. And I would I would be a much more aggressive punt. The only time I maybe wouldn't be is if it is a short yardage situation. Like, you know, I so said maybe, hey, you know, if it's if it's fourth and if it's fourth and less than five. Maybe, you know, depending on what part of the field you're on, maybe then, because then a running into gives you a a, a, a first down. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's fourth to nine and, and I get flagged for running into whatever, you know, they punt it again. Sure. That, that's where you, I think some strategy needs to be involved in it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I'm always, I'm always for aggressiveness. I'm, I'm a defensive guy by trade. So I, I, I dig that. I think, and it, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but didn't Brian, I mean, Brian Mason's putt, punt coverage unit i mean didn't they have the most blocked kicks last year if i remember I correctly? So. I'd have yeah to, i'd have to look that up but they blocked they a lot were. yeah it was like something like six or something like that let me let me look yeah it, up. it was I, I think it was an impressive number if i remember correctly so i mean in theory you're gonna get your wish it sounds like so right see of course they don't have it on the stats that i'm looking at so let me let me go to cincinnati's football stats and i'll look it up but i mean i think that's part of the reason that marcus freeman brought him in too right is i, I don't think you bring a guy in and say hey don't do what made you so good at the place i brought you from we've seen coaches do that right no name's last coach did that he's not alone there have been other coaches that have done that i've never understood that but you know i think i, I don't think you bring him in to 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 say okay here's what made you good there we're gonna stop doing that so We'll see. I'm going to try to look up these numbers real quick. And of course, the internet's being a little slow today for some. Well, I don't know if the internet is. Cincinnati's site is being slow today. So I don't I don't quite know why, but we'll get to that answer here in a second. All right, here we go. Uh it's see, special teams. 
the they blocked three punts, which was a lot, and they blocked three field goals. So yeah, they had six blocked punts last year, or six blocked kicks last year. That's a lot. That's a lot. I dig that. I dig that. And you know, I think that also leads into you know being better in your return in the return game, right? Because mm-hmm. one thing Notre Dame was good at the last couple of years is they were pretty good on coverage. I think they didn't give up a lot on on returns. You know, mm-hmm. they they weren't a team that that gave up a ton. Um, Cincinnati, I don't know if they're if they're much of one, but to me, blocked punts and then the Cincinnati last year finished thirty first in punt returns at ten yards a return. Notre Dame was sixty third. I mean, if you can give me that kind of jump, uh, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Well, and I'm excited about punt return unit just in general because we saw some interesting guys returning punts during that uh, open practice, by the way. saw Lorenzo Styles back there. We saw Jarian Price back there. Some intriguing players, I think. Because, I, I, I mean, I, I liked Kyron as a punt returner because I thought he was just like no nonsense, going to mm-hmm. get north and south, and I, I dig that. But a couple of the guys that they had back there in the practice, they have just a little bit more wiggle, you know? They have a mm-hmm. little bit more juice than Kyron, so should be interesting. Yep. Good, good, good question, John. Ryan Schulte says, Ryan, any thoughts on where you think Troy Anderson from Montana state ends up in the draft? Is he being overhyped because of his combine numbers? So I I think that going into the process, Troy was probably a day three type of player, but I would not be shocked if he's selected somewhere in the third round now, because I mean, like you mentioned there, Ryan, he at six foot three, 240 plus pounds ran four, four, two, and had a, you know, just crazy overall athletic, um, athletic showing at the combine but I think it really does translate onto the film he's a we it's a weird guy because he came to Montana as he was going to play linebacker but they had an injury at quarterback so they kept him on the offensive side of the football and he was actually an all-conference quarterback I mean he was an option quarterback he was like a wildcat type basically he ran for like 1400 yards and he actually set the Montana State single season rushing touchdown record. He ran for like 21 touchdowns in one season or some crazy number when he was like a freshman. So then they started making the transition. Hey, you know, you're not really a quarterback. Let's move you to linebacker. And then he got kind of pushed. Like he's still a wildcat quarterback to a degree. And in 2020, he really took a step as a, it was kind of a weird role. They put him on like an on ball role a little bit, Brian, and like a three, four alignment type. So he's rushing the quarterback a ton, doing, doing a bunch of different like versatile things. And then finally, this past year, they used him as a traditional stack backer. They're playing him like basically like a full time will. And I mean, I mean that that athleticism pops off the fill, man. Like he can run for days, and he's a great player in pursuit. And he has some instincts in, in coverage too, which is kind of rare for a player that is pretty still new to the position. So there's still things, some things to work out because from a diagnostic perspective, he just hasn't played a ton of linebackers. He's only played for two seasons. So he's still getting used to kind of like reading his keys and getting downhill and being able to read blocks effectively and do all that type of stuff. But there is a high upside for Troy Anderson. So I don't think he's under overrated at all, John. I, I think that some – I'm John, Ryan – Sorry, it's weird saying your own name in response to a question. But and John I, I, was the previous question. John was the previous question. I'm sorry, Ryan. But, yes, I, I think that he's going to be selected somewhere late day two, and I think that his talent level is certainly worth that because, again, you don't see many guys 6'3", 240-something running four four two. Like, that's just a different type of athlete. Yeah, that's – <laughs> silly it's so Brian right you need to go he was an under-recruited kid because he was from a small small town I forget what state it was I think it was like Minnesota I don't think it was North. I don't think it was Montana but he had one of the silliest high school highlight tapes of all time man he did I'm everything it it's like Leo Chanel he was he came from a small school too and they put him at like running back and 
option quarterback at times. It's just like he's just a better player than everybody around him, which is crazy. So I dig it. Jacob Watson wants to know, do you think Estime will have a breakout season at running back? Sign me up. Sign me up. First, let's define what that would mean for him. Because I think for a kid that only carried the ball seven times last year, a breakout season could mean two completely different things. It it could. I mean, if we're talking strictly numbers, I think – I think for me right now that most people are just kind of considering him the third peg in the in the running back carousel type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can technically have a breakout even if that ends up being true, but I think I think he could be a 500 plus rushing yard type of player this year, 8 plus touchdown runner type of thing. And I I think that he can I think he can challenge to being one of the top 2 running backs on the team and for a guy that just carried the ball seven times like you said, I think that's a breakout certainly. Yeah, I I think he could. I mean, it's the thing is, do you think Estime will have a breakout season? It's 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 a little too early for me to say that he will, but he definitely could. I have no doubt that Audric Estime. Look, we talked about this somewhat recently. I think Audric Estime. I think all three of the kids that are returners from last year could end up being the starter. I. I, I don't think there's any one of them that I would look at and say, mm, I hope that guy's not the guy. They can all. They all could be that guy. They could all be number two. They could all be number three. They could all be, you know, number four because Jadarian Price brings a lot to the table. But uh, could he have a breakout? Absolutely. Wouldn't shock me. I'm just, I'm not ready to predict who it's going to be at this point in time. Mike Sullivan said, scored section 28 row eight tickets for the blue gold game. Thinking my 13-year-old son would be impressed with them tickets. Nope. His only question was, will the guys from Irish Breakdown be there? Uh, thanks for sharing that, Mike. I appreciate that. The good news is, is you can tell them you got the tickets and you're going to take them by the Irish Breakdown tailgate because I will be there. Ryan will be there and Sean will be there for part of it. I'm not quite sure how long he's going to be there. Vince won't be there because Vince has a game that morning. So unless it gets canceled, Vince won't be there. But Ryan and I and will definitely be there and Sean will be there for part of it. We look forward to meeting you and your son. So let him know that we said that, that we are very, very much looking forward to meeting you and meeting your 13-year-old son. No question about it. Uh, so we we appreciate that. Quinn Kibler said, uh, "What are the, see?" Ryan went over to pack. He's already packing, Mike. So that's he's getting ready for the trip uh, for the tailgate. It was the one about um, uh, the tailgate at the Blue Gold game. Gotcha. Quinn Kibler said, "What are, what are what is one 2023 recruit on each side of the ball that Notre Dame isn't on or a contender for that you wish they were?" Hmm. Interesting question. Um, defensively, my mind immediately went towards cornerback but i think i'm gonna change that a little bit i'm gonna go with nicholas harbor just because it's an embarrassment of riches and he's probably the best just overall athletes and i believe in the coaching staff so i think that they can mold him into whether it's a rover or will linebacker or a defensive end like i really don't care i I just think that he has incredible talent if you're if you're not if you haven't watched him ton he's out of maryland he's 6'5", 220. He's the kid that just went viral because he ran 10-3-1 or something like that, which is just a crazy mm-hmm. time in the 100-meter dash. So he would be my guy offensively. I mean, they're trying to get back in with Deuce Robinson, but Deuce might be my answer, Brian, because yeah. I, I just think he's a difference maker at a position where, like, I like Cooper Flanagan, but if you get Deuce to go with Cooper Flanagan, then I, that is a dynamic tight end duo. Yeah. I would I would definitely go with Deuce on that one. Nicholas Harbor, I would not go with him yet because I think he's a freaky athlete. I don't know if he's a freaky football player yet, though. Not yet. 
You're right. And, and so I say, that, you know, isn't it? I guess part of this answer goes to: Do you think Notre Dame's a legitimate contender for Caleb Downs or not? If you think they are at least a contender, then my answer is AJ Harris. Hmm. Like AJ Harris is a dude at cornerback, and actually, the sad thing is, like his family grew up Notre Dame fans, but for whatever reason, AJ was convinced that Notre Dame's not the place for him. I wish Notre Dame would have stayed on him and just till the end. I, I just wish they would have. They didn't, um, but it is what it is. But AJ Harris is the one for me, and I think Nicholas Harbor is a freak. I think he could be a great player. But mm-hmm. I feel like with Keon Keeley, with Osbury, if they're able to get him, with Impemba, if they can get him, with the linebacking class they got last year, Notre Dame's pretty good there with or without Nicholas Harbor. That's fair. Corner's a different story. A.J. Harris completely significantly raises the talent. You get A.J. Harris and Justin Rett in the same cornerback class, a year after Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey, cornerback problems solved. I knew uh, that was going to be your answer, by the yeah, way. I knew yeah. it. What corner or just AJ Harris? I cor- corner. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I knew it was yeah. gonna be AJ Harris because it was gonna be a corner. Yeah. Yeah. Because AJ and AJ's a beast. And I, you know I me, mean, I love Malik Muhammad, and I mean, but AJ mm-hmm. Harris to me is the best corner in the country. With all due respect to the the kid from down in Miami, um, he's the he's the best corner in the country. I'll take him over. I think the problem with AJ is he was so good so early that people have started to kind of pick holes in his game, and that's why other guys have kind of to gone up in that one. But yeah, it, that would be an easy one for me. Offensively, I think Deuce is very fair. Mm-hmm. I think offensively, another one that I might look at is, and, and we have a question about it down here that I wanted to kind of to get to, and I can't, I can't see it, but it was one about Jalen Brown, right? Um, True. You, you know, I think, I think that receiver is one I would consider, but it's kind of like, you know, but if they get Rodney Gallagher, I'm, I'm still okay with it. You know, Deuce is it's hard. It's harder on offense, to be honest with you, because yeah, it'd be great to get Deuce, but it's like, but yeah, but they they did pretty good at tight end last year. I try to look at a position where, you know, offensively, like they've actually done pretty well, or they're in on the guys at that position. Mm-hmm. I think corner is really the only position where I've had a little bit of a you know head scratcher. Like, why why are you quitting on that kid? Yeah, you know, I mean, especially with his background, that that was a little bit frustrating for me i i know you talked about last cycle the fact that notre dame took a lot of uh like more interior offensive linemen types so i did mm-hmm. think of because i don't think they're really a contender for samson okalola like i think they're going to mm-hmm. keep recruiting him but i don't think it's in a great spot so like i even thought about maybe samson as you know offensive yeah. tackle type i could see that one but it, yeah. i think i think they're a contender for him i just don't think they're going to get him fair that would be that would be kind of the reason i wouldn't consider him but if I mean, but but I, I could get that one. I could get that one. I, and I, part of that goes down too for me is you know I think we have a little bit of a different view on Charles Jagasaw too, where I could see him. I see him as a right tackle that could move inside as opposed to a a, a pure guard who maybe could play right tackle. Um, but now if if Monroe Freeling commits somewhere else, then my answer is easy. I'll pick an offensive tackle that they're not in on and go after him because. I do think if you miss him, your situation at left tackle for the future is a little bit shaky. Yep. You have to remember when this class shows up, the current young young tackles will be juniors, which means they could both be gone. I mean, Notre <laughs> Dame has to recruit like there's a chance both of these cats leave after their junior year. They have to prepare for that. Because there's now, a chance whether it happens, that happens or doesn't, you <laughs> yeah. have to prepare for that. I mean, think about. I mean, Joe Walt's going to have over 30 career starts at that point in time. 
and you know maybe he comes back because he's a smart kid and all that maybe Blake Fisher comes back but you have to at least prepare like they're not going to mm-hmm. and then if they do come back or one of them comes back your depth is fine but and I don't want to have to necessarily replace them in 2024 with a freshman um, and I'm not sold that the guys that they got last year are tackles I there's a chance that I only signed one guy that stays a tackle last year that's it because I, I I'm not sold that Ty Chan stays a tackle I'm, I'm not and I definitely don't see him as a left tackle. Emil Wagner could be that guy, but what if he doesn't fill out? What if my biggest concern for Emil Wagner pans out? So I have a lot of questions about the future at tight end beyond the two starters. I, I do. And that's why this class is important and why, you know, if you talk about which of all the old linemen or which, you know, after Dante Moore, you know, who's the most important recruit on offense, I, I don't think we're talking enough about Monroe Freeling being that guy. I think we immediately go to receivers and I get it and I don't necessarily disagree with it, but I think we need to have more of a conversation about Monroe Freeling being that guy that, that boy, you know, man, agree. because you know, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, Ryan, it, mm-hmm. which position is more important offensive line or receiver, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I think the only saving grace there is it, if Notre Dame is going to be able to get a transfer, especially an undergrad transfer, I would think offensive line might be position where it's a little bit more doable especially as a grad. I mean, there's going to be grad transfers that maybe are day two NFL draft picks that are going to look at Notre Dame and being like, if I go play for Harry, he for a year, <laughs> I may became a one day one NFL draft pick. Let's be honest. That conversation will happen in living rooms from time to time here over the next few years, as long as Harry, he stands at Notre Dame. Uh, here's here's one, Ryan, who from Corey D who will be the three starting linebackers in Columbus. That would obviously be for the Ohio state game for those who maybe didn't quite think. about. Yeah. That. Um, I'm going to say the starting Mike is JD Bertrand. I'm going to say the starting will is Maris Loifel and the starting Rover. I'm going to defer to um, 27. His name just escaped me for some reason. Uh, you mean 24 Jack 24. Kaiser, Jack Kaiser. Yes. Jack Kaiser yeah. would be my defer. For Rover for now. Um, I hope that there's a lot more mixing in of linebackers this year. I hope that Prince Kali gets a ton of play inside. I hope that, you know, hope, hopefully we'll see kind of the depth that we're over what that looks like. But I, I think that that's the three starters, including Rover for me. I can't disagree. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I'm, I'm good with that. Will Chesanic, Ryan, would you say Colsey has most NFL potential of the receivers in Notre Dame? Low Styles has potential to be a better college receiver production-wise, but scouts have to be salivated, salivating about Colsey's measurables. I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, because for me, I, I think that Lorenzo Style has Lorenzo Styles has the type of profile that could play all over the place at the next level, right? Like, I think we're kind of seeing it right now. Like, Deion Colsey, I think he could be a really good W, but, like, are you going to move him around a ton? Like, he could be a really good in that spot, but I think Lorenzo Styles from a athleticism perspective as everything you look for. And I just think that he's a guy that, and I think the NFL is moving more towards this. Well, in my opinion is the fact that like you want guys that can move all over the formation. It's not about pencil guy in a slot, pencil guy into a Z to an X. Like it's more about Devonte Adams can line up everywhere. Cooper cup can line up everywhere. These guys can line up all over the place. So I, I think Lorenzo styles is going to be a very coveted player. If his progression keeps going the way it's going, but I, I think Dion could too, but I just think that he gives you maybe just a little more flexibility from an alignment perspective. I think that's also, we have to look at the NFL too, Ryan, is you're seeing as, as 
as you see more and more of the of the Sean McVay influence in the NFL, you're seeing size becoming less and less and less of a thing in the NFL, right? And so I think that's part of it too. Is you you don't have as many teams looking for that 6'5", 215 pound guy right now. Not that they don't like it, but you know, guys. I want route runners. I want fast guys. I want this. I want that. I want another Tyreek Hill more than I want another Mike Evans. I mean, that's that's what people are going to say. So I think that has to be thought about too is now what will it be in two years? I mean, the NFL and college football, it changes so much now, so frequently. But I, I would say that I've always felt that, that Dion has the highest ceiling. I, I do think that. Uh, so, but I don't think highest ceiling in college is the same as – NFL potential because it's a different game. I think a, a six five athletic guy in college is going to have a greater impact than maybe he would in the NFL for a number of reasons. One of which being the hashes because the boundary receiver position is different in the NFL than it is in college. And so in a lot of instances, I don't know if you agree with that, Ryan, but I, I, I think that's part of it as well. No, I agree. Cover TD 36. Do you think Notre Dame will update their jerseys in the near future? Take advantage of the recruiting momentum. I don't know if, if, if we're rec- like changing the jerseys is going to have a huge impact on recruiting a momentum. I have been told that, that Marcus Freeman and people at Notre Dame have had conversations with Under Armour and some folks about what things are going to look like. I don't know what came of that. I don't have any scoop in regards to, this is the conversation and they're going to do this. I just know that uniform conversations have had been had. That's all I, that's true. That's not even, I'm not even saying like, that's all I can tell you. That's all I know. So I don't know anything beyond that. So it'll be interesting to find out, but the summer's more of a time when I'll do some looking into that. But all I care about is change the pants. (laughs) That's the biggest thing for me. Mgo Irish from the 1990s forward. Would you choose, who would you choose it as Notre Dame's all time, most feared backfield quarterback, running back, fullback didn't have to play together. Your Hall of Famers, uh, so so uh, didn't have to play together. Okay, so you don't have to pick guys from the same year. Sure, quarterback. So from nineteen ninety four. I mean, so that's got to count Rocket, right? Because Rocket played in nineteen ninety. Yeah, um, I guess so. Yeah, if you want to count him as a running back, but so nineteen ninety on. So from Rick Meyer on at quarterback, uh, be Reggie Brooks and. Reggie, actually, Ricky Watt. No, wait a minute. Did Ricky Waters play in 90? No, he didn't play in 90. 89. Wait a minute. Did Ricky Waters play in 90? Hold on a second. He may me, have. Yeah, because I, I, he's one guy that I always kind of forget what his last year was at Notre Dame. So Ricky Waters, 90 was his last year at Notre Dame. Uh, isn't this crazy? Ricky Waters never rushed for more than 791 yards at Notre Dame. Yep. That's just how loaded they were at running back. What, what was Bettis' last year? His last year was 92. 92. So him, I mean, honestly, the most feared backfield from Notre Dame played in the same year, in my opinion. And that's Reggie Brooks and Jerome Bettis. I mean, you can maybe pick a different quarterback Mm -hmm. than Rick Meyer. I I would. But other than maybe Julius Jones, you know, because I always forget about Reggie when I have these conversations, but. That backfield was filthy, and Reggie was really, really good and explosive. So I'd probably go with the '92 backfield, uh, running back, fullback. I mean that. I mean even today that'd be lethal. I mean, could you imagine a one-two punch of those two guys? Oh, sign me up. And Brady Quinn at quarterback. Brady Brady Quinn at quarterback, or I'm, 
I mean, people aren't going to like this. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> if I can just take one year, I'm still uh, – 09 Jimmy Clausen was – in today's offense would be a monster. <laughs> I mean, he would be so good in today's offense. I mean, could you imagine Jimmy Clausen running – like so here's Okay, people ask at the very beginning, you know, what wouldn't you love to see a Jack Cohn – you know, running this offense. Well, if you if you're excited about Jack Cohn running this offense, with all due respect to Jack Cohn, <laughs> what would Jimmy Clausen do in this offense? Right? I mean, you know, now you wouldn't be getting a ton of leadership from the quarterback position, but at this point, I'm I don't, okay. Avery Davis is a captain. You've got I don't really jerk. <laughs> I don't give a crap. Just complete seventy five percent of your passes. That's all I care about because that's I mean, that, Jimmy would be an easy 73% completion guy in today's game. I mean, I don't think people realize how much Jimmy completed sixty eight percent of his passes. And he was a very much a downfield passer. I mean, it, he wasn't throwing a million look screens and screens and RPOs. Like, he, can you imagine what Jimmy Clausen's completion percentage would have been if he if he was running an RPO offense? I mean, <laughs> you know, good. yeah. Okay. So I, you know, you know who the other guy is. I've, I've always said I would love to see this guy in a modern offense. Jerry Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to see him in a modern good. offense. Like kind of doing what Tyler Buckner does, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. If I had to pick one backfield of the same year, it'd be 92, including Fair. quarterback. Because Rick Meyer was a good quarterback. And Rick Meyer would have been a lot better in today's era, too, than he was back then. He was a drop-back quarterback trying to run an option offense, which, you know, one of the, the things that I don't necessarily always agree with uh, with from, uh, uh, from, from Coach Holch's era. But here we go. Uh, Ethan O'Connor been meaning to ask this for a while. What are your thoughts on Xavier Watts playing nickel? Not the biggest fan of the play from the position in recent years. We talked about this recently, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Cause I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd be all for it against a run oriented, like an offense mm-hmm. that runs a little bit more. I would, I would be fine with it against a, a Ohio state. Mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, I would be fine with it against Clemson. I don't know how much I would love it against USC. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Now, I, I I think so. My, my biggest dilemma with the safety position right now is I am a big fan of Brandon Joseph. Obviously, I really like Ramon Henderson and I really like Xavier Watts. I think they all play at a high level potentially, but the it's going to be tough to get them all, all through on the field all the time. So I am I'm a fan of kind of having that safety safety nickel kind of be a little more interchangeable at times. So. I would love getting Xavier Watts on the field if if that's what it means. And I agree against the heavier run teams. Makes a lot of sense, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would give it a look for sure. I, I, I would honestly cross train a little bit, Ethan, between safety and nickel, like moving forward. Mm-hmm. I would because I think that there can be a little bit of interchangeableness there. I don't, you, I don't think you have to just say this guy is purely a nickel. Like I just don't think that that's the world that we live in anymore. I think that you can look at Xavier Watts and say, okay, we're going to get some corner work today. We're going to get some safety work tomorrow. We're going to, you know, have some interchangeableness to playing inside of nickel. I think so. All right, we have a super chat from Alberto, our buddy from Spain. Hello from sunny Spain. Sorry if I missed a response to this, but did I hear Harry Heastan poo on all things Kelly in his most recent interview? I I didn't take it that way at the time. I, at least not. I just, I don't know if Harry Heastan gives a crap enough about Brian Kelly to take a shot at him. I, I, I don't. I think it was more about praising the staff now as opposed to praising the staff while contrasting before maybe he did and and 
uh, it wouldn't shock me from the standpoint of I know he did, he wasn't fond of Harry of Brian Kelly. I know that for a fact. There's no love lost there. I just don't. It, he just is. It just seemed like if it was, it'd be a little bit out of character for Coach Heastand. So as much as I would love to say Harry Heastand took a shot at Brian Kelly, because I would love that. I just don't know if I could say it was. I don't. I don't. I, I just. I'm not as comfortable with that, Ryan. Did you? Did you hear Coach's comments in the interview yesterday? It's just basically like no. When they asked him, you know, the staff, he was like, "I love the staff," and it's like, you know, people work, and it was just, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, uh, yeah, we'll see. Ryan, do you got to run? I got some more questions here. I'm going to work through. Uh, if you could just do me a favor, if you could go ben- before you take off, if you could just go beneath Alberto's and just see if there's any super chats or definite questions that I want to get into and star them because I can't stay a whole lot longer, but I do want to try to get to some more of these questions because I feel like because we took the early on for us to talk about the article that we get, we didn't get to as many questions. So yeah, I'll try to, do to get to some more. So Sounds good. Okay, let's get down here. So we have a Joseph... Joseph Steve, I love the article about Kelly. Thank you, Joseph. Coach Freeman is the truth. Agree. My family and I have tickets to the spring game, and we are stoked to see the team. It's going to be fun. It really is. It's going to be a lot of fun. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michael S. with a super chat. I fear recruiting. Thank you for that, Michael, by the way. I fear recruiting is now a all-out bidding war. Top recruits like Moore and Tate are doing the grand tour to see which team will offer the most money. Will Notre Dame even play on that field? Play for pay. Number one, Notre Dame is playing on that field because they are. there are opportunities for NIL money for players. Number two, I, I everybody, a lot of people keep saying what you're saying. There's no evidence of it. And I can tell you right now, Dante Moore is not going around the country looking to see who's going to pay the most money. He's not making nine trips back to Notre Dame to see when will Notre Dame pony up. That's that's not what's happening. Now, may he be influenced by an NIL? Yes. But it would be more of, I really love these two schools, and this school is offering more than this school, so I'm going to pick that school, maybe. But I just, look, it's not, recruiting is an all-out bidding war with some players. It's not true for others because the thing that you have to understand, Michael, is money has been a big part of of recruiting for a long time. And it's there's always been kids who are just going to go where they're going to get the most money. That's not true of every kid. It never has been true. It never will be true. And especially now, I think Notre Dame fans are looking at this wrong. The fact that Notre Dame can now offer money it, not directly, but uh, opportunities for money is something that I think helps Notre Dame. And in, until they start losing recruit after recruit to that, I'm just not going to buy it because right now Notre Dame has the best recruiting class in the country. 
just signed its best class in almost a decade and did all that in the midst of NIL being a thing. And so I just, I don't see it the way that you see it. Leopard irons. Do you think Buckner's expectations will be like Rick Meyer, his freshman year, or do you think he'll need to do more? I don't think he'll need to do more. I think the thing about it is, is I actually think Buckner as a redshirt freshman could do very similar things to what Rick Meyer did in, as a redshirt freshman in 1990. Because I think that he's a more dynamic runner. I never felt Rick Meyer was a great fit for the Lou Holtz offense. Tyler Buckner fits this offense. So I think he'll, he'll be more effective, but I think philosophically, I don't think Notre Dame's going to put the game, look, put the offense on Tyler Buckner's shoulders the way it will in year two and year three as a starter. So I, I think he'll need to be at, he'll be asked to make more plays than Rick Meyer did just because of the nature of the offense. But I also don't think it's a situation where, he's going to be asked to carry the team and Rick Meyer wasn't asked to carry the team in 1990. So in some ways it's similar, but I think Buckner will be asked to, to do more as well. I think both of your options are correct. In my opinion, I, I think he'll be asked to do more, but there'll be some similarities between the two. Jacob Watson asks, do you think BK's comments give the team and staff extra motivation for the upcoming season? I will say this. I'm pretty confident. Uh, that. There's a lot of people at Notre Dame that are aware of what Brian Kelly said. And do I think it'll be provide motivation to a degree, but stuff like that, something that was set on April 7th is likely not going to last until August. So I, I just, I think those things have a shorter shelf life. I think this team is already very, very self-motivated. I think this team has much bigger things to focus on than whatever Brian Kelly said. I think there's a, there's a, there's a, like a, it's like a dark cloud has kind of been removed uh, from the team. And I'm just telling you what people tell me that are part of the program and what parents tell me about their, what they're hearing from their sons. They're pushed harder. And this is what I've been told by several parents. They, they get worked so much harder now by the coaches, but they love it. They're having so much more fun. They're, even though, again, being worked harder, having more fun. So the constant misconception of what a player's coach is. A player's coach is someone who, there's a time and a place for, you know, the hug and the kiss. That's more in the in the office when the kid's coming to you with whatever his personal issues are. But when we're out in the field, we're working. And and just because I don't get in your face and MF you doesn't mean I'm not challenging you and pushing you. And and a, a, a player, a true players coach is someone who who will push players beyond their their what they think they're capable of. And that's happening at Notre Dame right now. And they're loving it because again, as I as I've said to people before. Great players, competitors want to be challenged. They want to be pushed. And contrary to Brian Kelly, uh, Brian Kelly's comments yesterday, uh, the Notre Dame players want to be great, and they're willing to work for it. Brian Kelly wanted to, wanted to be great at Notre Dame. He just didn't want to work for it. He wanted to kind of get off of everyone else, you know, live off of what everybody else was doing. So, um, yeah, it, uh, so let's get over here. So let's get to Michael Hughes. This isn't meant in a snarky way. If you were picking a team of players that best represented the BK era, who would you pick? I only know of one player that I could think of being on that. And that would be, I would have Ian book as my quarterback beyond that. I don't I don't know if I want to go that way because I don't think there's any way I could answer that question of a whole team that would be received well. Uh or nor nor would I really want to do it. But other than Ian Book a quarterback, I I don't really know who I would have on that, to be completely honest with you. 
MT41 with a question. I'm sure Tyler Buckner's seen all the Dante more excitement the past few months. Is that something the coaching staff talks to Buckner about? Like Reese telling Buckner he's still their guy. I don't think Buckner's worried about that. And if he was, I would be worried about Buckner. The reality is, is Dante Moore is not going to be on the football team in 2022. And if Tyler Buckner handles his business, he shouldn't have to worry about Dante Moore in 2023. Uh, he'll be a he'll be a third year guy. He'll have plenty of opportunities to kind of go out there and and show that he's the guy for the job and all those different types of things. And and uh, you know, I, I just I don't think it's something that he's necessarily concerned about. To be completely honest with you, I just I just I don't think that's really a, a big, a big focus of his. So, and it shouldn't be. So, I mean, the, this, does he know who Dante Moore is? I'm sure. Just like the quarterbacks knew who he was during his recruitment, because when he visits, they're going to want him to, you know, to meet him. So that's that's kind of the, you know, that's about as far as it goes. Kyle Wade, question: Would you rather the offense focus on being dominant in the run game every week? Kyle Wade says, question, would you rather the offense focus on being dominant in the run game every week, or would you prefer them to play the weaknesses of the defense more? Uh, my example is the Patriots with Tom Brady. Kyle, I think I don't think those things are mutually ex- exclusive. I think you can do both of those things. I, I, I'm a big fan of every week you go into it saying, hey, let's let's find the weaknesses of what this opponent does. So they're they're not good at this particular player's not good, or they're not good against three by one because they run this particular coverage. Uh, and this coverage is one that we can exploit. So it's not just, or that we can, their weakness is three by one because they overplay the three by one, which gives us some opportunities to run the ball weak side. So there's all types of things that you look at and, and, and focus on a weakness of the defense. And it's not always personnel. Some of it's schematic, some of it's leverage wise, some of it's numbers, you know, we know we can get them here, those type of things. So I think it, it all depends on on the opponent, but you should always go into a game looking to take advantage of their weaknesses. And then your philosophy is, okay, well, how are you going to take advantage of those weaknesses? That's where the run game, pass game, different things comes into play, Kyle. So, I, I mean, I, I would always say I prefer to play to a team's weaknesses, but what what are you using to attack a team's weaknesses? So I don't think those things are are exclusive, uh, mutually exclusive. I think those things, too, they, they build on top of each other. The first thing you figure out is, you know, this is how we would game plan. Who are the guys we need to go after? What are the things schematically we can do to exploit them? You know, you really break down the other team. They say, okay, now what can we do with who we believe we are? You know, here's our top playmakers. We got to find ways to get them the ball that attack this team this way. We're a great running team. So here's how we're going to use that to attack this team's weaknesses. I think those two things to me should, should go together. William Campbell, what Kelly implied about the Notre Dame players not wanting to be great was unconscionable. I hope the current and former players know that the true Notre Dame family disagrees. William, I, I can assure you of this. I've talked to enough enough players about this the last 24 hours. Uh, they know that this is a Brian Kelly issue, um, not a, not a um, Notre Dame fan issue. That's what I'll that I'll say Blake Merrick says, is anyone else worried Dante Moore commits only to have Reese leave at season's end, causing him to then decommit, leaving us empty handed, you know, Blake, we could, we could run a million scenarios about every kid. And the reality is, is I'm at the place now where I'm going to worry about the things that I know I need to worry about. And right now Dante 
I don't know that Tom Reese is going to leave. I, I think there's this assumption going around that Tom Reese is bolting at the end of the year. I, I don't think that's true. It, may, it could happen if the right opportunity comes, but I don't think that's necessarily true, nor do I think by that point in time that Dante is just going to leave because I think Dante's smart enough to know that no matter where you go, there's no guarantee the guy you're going to play for is going to be that coordinator. There's so much turnover so frequently now that I think kids are smart enough to know that the coach matters. I mean, you're not going to go to a place where the coach doesn't matter, but it's it's not the end-all be-all, in my opinion. The other thing I would add is that Marcus Freeman and Chad Bowden and those guys have also done enough work with Dante where it's not just Tommy Reese that's doing that recruitment. Douglas Road roundabouts. I was hoping to get to this answer before Ryan left, uh, but he had to he had to go pick up his daughter. How many of Notre Dame's projected starters in the offensive line do you predict will be in the NFL, and to what degree of success? I know the last part is speculative. I think right now both parts are speculative. To be completely honest with you, uh, we need to see. I mean, I, Jarrett Patterson will be, but I mean Blake Fisher's played one and a half games of college football. Joe Alt's played like seven. I, I mean, there's a lot of talent there, and but but. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves with that. I want to see this group play together first. I think there's a lot of guys. There's guys that are going to be backups that I think have NFL talent. But we got to see how they're how they're going to develop. And I just I'm just not quite there yet to to really kind of focus too much on that stuff. Here's a good question from Brian Denbo. Talking about blocking when the tight end blocks, is that run through the O-line coach or the tight end's coach? At Notre Dame in the past, it's been both especially when Harry Heastan was here because you have to you have to have a tight ends coach number 1 that's good enough to you know coach those guys. You can't you can't have it to be all the time where um, it's a situation where you know the tight end coach is teaching his thing and the O-line coach is teaching his thing. They have to be on the same page, especially in this offense where Notre Dame's going to have tight ends attached. Now, in other offenses where the tight ends never attach the line of scrimmage, and he's made a, more of a flex player. It's not as important, but in Notre Dame's offense, it's very important to have those guys. They have to be on the same page. And I think that you're going to see you're going to see a lot of that. Uh, Harry Heaston being involved with the tight ends, and Jared Parker would be silly not to allow that, and he will. I mean, you've got to work with him. At the same time, you need your tight end coach to be able to teach the same things that the O line coach is teaching, and and his degree because it is going to be a little bit of a different animal. So. It's both, but it's always going to be the position, the individual position coach more than it is the complimentary. Kind of like you're going to see, you know, the, the O-line coach is going to have things to say to the running backs, but there's got to be a line that you can't cross. Not a line you can't cross on like what you say, but just like, hey, you got to give his position coach a chance to do that first. And and that can kind of be um, – that can be a little bit of a, 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 a challenge in my opinion. Oh, here, here it was. MT41. Uh, Brian, if you could take only one of these guys, who would it be, Jalen Brown or Caleb Downs? For me, I'm going Caleb Downs. I think safety is a very, very important position. I think Caleb Downs is a better prospect than Jalen Brown, and I love Jalen Brown. But I also think that the, the difference in, in talent at that position is such that Notre Dame's going to be more okay at receiver. And, and safety, Caleb Downs would give you a significant upgrade, especially if they're able to keep Peyton Bowen. You put those two guys together, and all of a sudden you have an elite safety group with him, with those two plus a Don Schuler. So I would, if I could have one of those two, it's an easy answer for me. It's Caleb Downs, to be honest with you, and that that's no shot at Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown's really good. And if Jalen Brown called up tomorrow and said I want to come to Notre Dame, I'd take him in a heartbeat. It's a heck of a player. 
we'll get to a few more of these. We do got to get out of here soon. Um, so I, I want to just get to some more of these here real quick. Uh, ben Tarnowski, you asked this yesterday, Ben. Do you all think the Tennessee State game is a good addition to the schedule or does it hurt us? We had a whole we had a whole uh, discussion about this at the beginning of, was it Wednesday show? I would encourage you to listen to that. Uh, I don't think I can do justice to the to the nuance of the discussion that we had in just an answer to a to a mailbag question. So I would just encourage you to go listen to the beginning of I believe it was Wednesday show where we kind of lay out our stances on that. And I definitely lay out mine for sure. Brandon Bauer says, Brian, let's say the playoff expands to 12 teams. I feel there should be a rule allowing an independent to be in the top four if they beat two conference champs. This is a good point. Example, 2029, we beat Bama and uh, USC. You know, and hypothetically, they win the SEC and the Pac-12. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, and that would be true this year, Brandon. I mean, let's just say it was a, f- a 12-team playoff this year too, Brandon. It's like you know you're going to have Ohio State and Clemson. There's a good chance you beat that. I, I, I think there, there could be sort of an exception to that. I, I think that I, that's something nuanced. I never really thought about that, but yeah, I like that. I, you know, because then it was like, okay, the, if they beat more than one of the teams that are going to be ranked in the top four. I think that would be part of it maybe too, or, you know, maybe they beat a team if they won a head to head. Like, so that'd be another example that, that I never really thought of. Like, let's say, it, you know, that Notre Dame goes 12 and 0 in 2029 and they beat Bama and USC and, you know, USC's, you know, behind them, but let's say Bama's going to be a higher seed, right? Uh, you could say, well, look, if, if they have a head to head win, over a team ranked in the top four that they then are eligible to be in the top four. I could see something like that being, being a good argument. I I, I like that outside the box thinking, Brandon. I, I never really thought about that. I, I dig that. I dig that. Colin Park asks, I've read that official visits can begin being taken in April and others say July, which is it? And is it the same time every recruiting cycle? It is the same time every recruiting cycle and their kids can't take officials now. They can't. And any it, the kids that are taking – so here's where I think people might be confused. Jabron Payne is taking an official visit to Notre Dame this weekend. But that's because Jabron Payne is a 2022 recruit. He, he can take official visits. He's got five officials. That process has already started. He can take an official visit whenever he wants. The, the, the kids that are 2023 kids, that official visit window has not begun for them yet. None of them have taken official visits. So that perhaps could be why there's a bit of a difference there. Uh, maybe some people are confused, but if you're an underclassman, you know, rising senior, you can't take officials until junior, till your till till excuse me, July, June, excuse me, June. Irish Guardian, not let's say Notre Dame comes out and smashes Ohio State week one. Who currently on the board uh, would be swayed with a showing like that? It's a good question. Uh, if they're not committed at the time, I mean, I think Cardinal Tate would certainly be swayed by that. You know, if he's not committed to Jason Moore, maybe a Samson Oakland Lola, if he's not committed by then, I think all of, I mean, I think every kid would be some, would be swayed to a degree by Notre Dame smashing Ohio State. That would be a, that would be a shockwaves type of outcome. I mean, beating Ohio State's not, is going to be impactful, but if they blow Ohio State out, that would be a very eye opening performance. And, and a lot of people would take notice of that. Jim Halloran with the Super Chat. Jim, thank you so much, very, very much for this. Brian, just to thank you for the BK article yesterday. Go Irish. Thank you for that, Jim. Seriously, very, very much. Sparkling Swan, Brian and Ryan, thoughts on bringing back white jerseys with green numbers for away? Love those jerseys. Uh, Sparkling Swan, I have said this before, I and you and I are on the same page here. I personally would make the green letters the permanent road game. I, I just would. I 
I don't love Notre Dame's road uniforms. I've never loved Notre Dame's uniforms with just the blue. I don't think it pops enough for me. And look, I played quarterback, so of course I care about how you look. Uh, you know, when when you're in, in your uniform. So for me, I just, yeah, I just, man, I just, uh, I would, lo- I would really dig that. I would dig the the green jersey, the green number in the jersey for just a normal road game. I'm with you on that. Josh Miller asks, how often does an Emil Wagner situation happen where we have no idea that he's going to commit to Notre Dame, but all of a sudden he commits and you're like, okay. Used to happen all the time. I mean, it used to be a really, really, really normal thing. Now it doesn't happen as much. You have a pretty good idea when kids commit. It it, it really you really don't get it's not often you get kind of like caught off guard by a kid committing. It'll happen like last year it was only once. And Morgan Walker was the only kid that I had no clue he was going to commit. I woke up one morning and he had already committed like 20 minutes before. It it doesn't happen often, and like well, besides the um, Morgan Walker, or Emil Wagner, that one I didn't expect either. But uh, on top of Emil, it only happened one other time last year, and that was a Morgan Walker. Or uh, yeah, I, I didn't see that one coming. To be completely honest with you, Okay, Grant, Brian, and Ryan, what do you think? Uh, Dante Moore needs to work on as far as his game goes. What are his strengths and weaknesses in your opinion? Okay, Grant, I would encourage you to watch the film breakdown that I did, uh, that we did of Dante Moore. I mean, that, that that's a lot. I mean, if, to give you like a, a really good answer, it's going to take a lot longer than, than I have right now. I would encourage you to, to re- watch that video. And there's also one written. I also wrote a film breakdown that has some clips of him throwing it in it as well as if you, if you'd prefer to read it. So if you can go to the message board or I mean, not the message board, but the website, find that for film room, Dante Moore, SI, you'll be able to find that, but just real briefly, his strengths, super quick release, very accurate, incredibly high football IQ, you know, good pocket presence, good pocket mobility, good leadership, uh, strong arm. I think he's just got the, uh, every, everything you want in a quarterback, except he's not a runner and he's not six, five two twenty. That's it. I mean, but other than that, as a passer, he's got tremendous arm talent. Things I'd like to see him work on, I think sometimes his footwork as he moves around at times can get a little bit off. Uh, He's going to have to reshape his body. He does not have a great body right now. I think he's not a guy that spends a lot of time in the weight room or doesn't look like he does because he's always traveling. He's he's playing in a seven-on-seven. He's competing, and that's fine. But once you get to a college and you're not traveling and doing all that anymore, you're going to be more in the weight room, and I think his body's really going to take off there, and that's where you're going to see his arm even take a bigger jump. You know, I think at times – his like he does a great job off platform at times you know i think he maybe rushes it a little bit i i don't see a ton of weaknesses in this game to be honest with you other than just getting stronger rehashing some things he'll take some chances in high school that are fine now but he those those won't work in college and that's every quarterback like him is kind of kind of be that way Bobby S, better prospect, Pendleton or Saraveld, are they both takes i don't know if they're both takes meaning like they're both takes right now I don't know if they're both takes if one of them commits first. That I don't know if they would take both of them. And, and I'm not saying they won't. I'm saying I don't know if they will. I don't. I, I have some doubts about that, but I'm not 100% certain of that. But uh, better prospect. I personally, man, that's a tough one. You know what, Corey or Bobby? I'd have to watch him again. There's some There's some things. Sarah Bell's a lot bigger, and I like that. He's a big, powerful kid. He's huge. He's 315. 
Pendleton has phenomenal punch, and his pop is just really outstanding. I'd have to watch their film and grade them. There's some things I like better about Saraveld. There's some things I like better about Pendleton. I don't know if I could say right now without really grading them and diving even deeper into the film, if I could tell you who I think is better at this particular moment. They're both good football players. They're both four-star caliber players. I'd have to watch a little bit more of the film. I think the one thing that makes me lean towards Pendleton is simply the fact that I do view him as a, as a center, as a guy that would be a center down the road because of his combination of punch and quickness and you know, decent length. But then again, you know, Saravel's a, I mean, I love the size he brings to the table and he's a quality athlete for a guy that big. I, but yeah, probably lean towards Pendleton, but that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'd have to, I'd have to really dive in the film to feel more comfortable with that. Brandon Plesner says Dante and Tyler Buckner seem like two different players. So how does Dante fit into Reese's offense and what changes need to be made in order to maximize Dante's ability? Nothing needs to change. We've talked about this before. They're, they're not really that different players. I, I think that the only, the biggest difference is Dante has a lot more experience, but Tyler's got a very quick release. He can throw off platform. He's smart. He throws with great anticipation, all things that we feel about Dante. I think that the, the the problem that I have is that I think we have is that we are looking too much at what Tyler Buckner was as a freshman at Notre Dame and assuming that's who he is. He's not Malik Zaire. Go back and watch his high school film when he threw for 4,500 yards and 58 touchdowns as a junior. Dante has so much more experience that that helps him. But I think I think Tyler has the chance to be a really good passer. And a lot of things that, that Dante does well as a passer, Tyler can do as well. Maybe not as well, but he can do them. So I think the only thing that changes if Dante takes over for Tyler is, you know, Dante's just a better at the things, the passing things, and, and Tyler's better as a runner, so you take out some of the running stuff. But I don't think you really need to change your offense, and I don't think they're necessarily two completely different players. I think if you just look at their th- – Brandon, I'll tell you this. Go back and look at Tyler's film as a, jun- as a junior and just watch him throwing, and you'll see some similarities between him and Dante. Like I said, quick release, accuracy, you know, anticipation, all those type of things. There's actually a decent amount of similarities between the two. And thank you for the super chat, by the way. Corey S says, who is the bigger brand? This is an interesting one. Um, and it says, Ohio State or Michigan, bigger brand, Ohio State or Michigan? Michigan's, Ohio State's the better football program right now. That's not debatable. I don't think any Michigan fan should debate that. But if we're talking brand, I still think Michigan's the bigger brand. I mean, you you look at just all the sports, you know, I think that I think Michigan is still more of a national program of the two. I still think, you know, you've got the jump man thing, which obviously carries a lot more weight, you know, from a basketball standpoint. But I think if we're just talking brand. I still think Michigan's the bigger brand. I still think Ohio State is very much a regional school when it comes from a branding standpoint. The reason Ohio State goes nationally to recruit is that's different than being a national program. I'll find Michigan fans and Notre Dame fans everywhere I go. And I don't feel that – I don't find that at about Ohio State fans. So if we're going to talk about brand, just pure brand, uh, Michigan's a bigger brand for me. and has been forever, as long as I know. Um, now, could Ohio State do things to change that? Sure, sure. But right now, I think I think Michigan's a bigger brand. I mean, I know Michigan's a state school, but Michigan has a different feel to it than Ohio State does about some things. But and and, and Michigan's had more sort of like, I mean, you go back to like the basketball championship in eighty eight, eighty nine. You talk about the Fab Five. There's been a lot of sort of 
cultural defining moments that have gone through Michigan, especially with the Fab Five that Ohio State's never really experienced. And so I would I would say that in in a lot of different ways, Michigan is the bigger brand between the two. And I mean, as you guys know, my feeling on Michigan, so I don't like take great joy in saying that. But I mean, if we're being honest, I I don't I mean, I really don't think it's really all that close. We're talking brand, you know, um, football program wise is a different story. But that wasn't that wasn't your that wasn't your question. So. Last one, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, MT41 says, hey, Brian, just jumping in here. Haven't watched the show yet. Don't know if you've seen on social media, but Notre Dame posted something today saying, no excuses here. Love the BK shade. Yeah, I took that that way. Uh, uh, Notre Dame put a tweet out from practice, and it said, no excuses here. And it's just like four pictures of four players. I definitely took that as shade at Brian Kelly. And you know what? Good job, Notre Dame. I wish your your social media team and your tech team was doing even more, like putting out videos of practice and you know hype videos of your coaches and you know stuff that's showing your coaches working, so you could give those to recruits and all that. Whatever, different story. But at least for this one tweet, bravo, very well done. I definitely took that as shade for sure, uh, and I love it. I'm here for all of it. So very, very well done for Notre Dame. So everybody, there's a ton of questions I couldn't get to today, everybody, and I am sorry. There's just too many great questions, and I have my wife is sick, and she sent me a couple text messages. I need to get her some stuff, uh, but uh, enjoyed the show today. But hey, this is why you need to be on the message board because any questions that you don't have, let's start a message board post. You know, like hey, look, if you're a member of the board, like let's just start maybe a thread that says hey, you know, hold over questions from the show or something like that. Throw your questions on there. Like Maysay K says, join the message board. You can find it at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Um, you know, hit that like button, hit the, hit the subscribe button, or hit the hit the smash the like button, he said. Join the message board, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, and share this podcast, all of it. I love it, absolutely. But if you kind of come in and you you throw some more, uh, some more things out there, I think that, uh, you know, we can answer those questions as we follow up. So if you're on the message board, do that. Uh, we'll definitely try to answer as many as we can, but I do got to run. So I thank you all so much. I appreciate all the support uh, last night today for the Brian Kelly article very, very much. Um, I, I, I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, it may, means a lot to know that I'm not just speaking for myself, but there's a lot of people that uh, that felt that that needed to be said, and and I have a platform to say it, and I was able to say it. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that very, very much. So. Anyway, everybody, have an awesome rest of your day. We'll have a show tomorrow at some point in time. I think Sean and I are thinking about doing an O-line kind of show. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but we'll probably have a show tomorrow. But that's why you got to hit that little, hit that notification bell so you'll know when we go live, you'll be able to see it. So have a great day, everybody. Sign up for the message board. Buy Bill Bars. They got like this new caramel brownie flavor that I've never had before. I'm going to go buy that today. If you use the promo code below, Irish Breakdown promo code, you get 10% off that sucker. Uh, so lots of cool stuff going on. So anyway, thanks everybody for the, for the show, for being with us today on the show, tons and tons of great questions, including a bunch I couldn't get to, which I'm really sorry about. Uh, but we will definitely, uh, if you bring them to the board and you ask the questions on the board, uh, we'll, we'll get to them. So anyway, everybody have an awesome rest of your day and we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you so much for being a part of the Irish breakdown podcast.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.